Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett along with my co-host, the man from way down deep in the heart of Texas. We're going to uh, give a call now and welcome back to the program, the Grizzled Vet, Mike McCurdy. You know, I gave us a short intro today because uh, I think we have a pretty big topic to uh, sink our teeth into with our guest. Oh, definitely, man. We got, we got a huge topic, man. I'm glad to be back in the uh, co-host chair to be a part of this show today, so. Yeah, yeah, Look, yeah. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to some insights from the guests and just kind of let the viewers know, or excuse me, listeners know what's going to be coming up as far as uh, the television landscape of professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah. When you post this uh, idea as far as a theme yeah, a while, not that long ago, it was about a week or so ago, we we're talking about ideas, kind of spitballing what we wanted to do for this episode. I, I, I thought that was a, a great way to approach it because we do cover the end now. So it is, is and of course, no time like the right time. Uh, we were talking a little bit off mic here uh, today uh, before we got going with the taping at just how much pro wrestling is on uh, and how visible pro wrestling is on, on cable and uh, satellite TV these days in we can almost compare it to uh, the way it was uh, back when you know before Vince completely took over the territories with their television deals in the in the mid to late nineteen eighties. It's a, a very good time if you're a wrestling fan, young and old alike. Most definitely, man. It's almost kind of taking me back to my childhood. You know, when you could watch you know WCW on a Saturday, you could watch the Power Hour, the main event. You could watch Superstars. You could watch WWF Wrestling Challenge. You could watch All American Wrestling. It's almost kind of going. Back in years, and it's a good thing. If you're a fan, starting here next month is a good thing. You know, don't pick sides. Just enjoy wrestling. And that's what I, I'm really getting to is, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, here, is uh, how people are, are, are trying to be one or the other. It's like, can't you just kick back and just give it all uh, an open mind before you decide uh, which one you figure is uh, better than the other? I mean, I thought the fun of the Monday Night Wars was uh, going back and forth or tape recording one thing on the VCR and then watching it later, or like I said, doing it in the moment when, during commercial breaks or if something's in a lull moment. Those are kind of exciting times. I, I mean, I, I was really uh, just impressed. I mean, I was in my 20s when that boom came. But I mean, it, it was really fun for for those few years when there was active competition and all those product, you know, a lot of the product out there. Well, active competition, man, it brings out the best in everybody, or at least you hope it does. I was lucky during the Monday Night Wars. I lived in California. We got our channels on different feeds. So at five oh five, I got or five o'clock, I got Monday Nitro. Watched it for the two to three hours, and then at eight o'clock or nine o'clock, I got to switch over to USA Network and watch Monday Night Raw. So I didn't have to pick one or record the other. I got to watch them both back to back. Oh man, that is that is a very very fortunate. Uh, you got to deal with the, with time zones and the like. Well, Mike, I want you to bring in our, our guest today. He's a returning uh, guest to uh, Wrestling Memories Then and Now, and he's uh, got some insight and some things to share about uh, his take on today's uh, cable boom. I guess for pro wrestling, definitely a cable boom. And I'm glad to have this man back as a guest. Like you said, you know, he's been a previous guest. We had him on to talk about his career in the ring, but today we brought him back to kind of get his insights as a promoter, wrestler, and a fan, you know, and a historian as well. So I want to bring him on, get his insights. We're going to talk a little bit about the television landscape, how it affects wrestling comparatively, like you said, compared to years back. But right now, let me introduce our guest today, none other than the golden boy, Greg Anthony. Greg, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good, you know. Get a little, getting excited, getting excited. You know, starting next week, there's going to be a whole plethora of television wrestling. You know, it, I mean, it's absolutely amazing if you look at it because you got SmackDown moving to Fox October 4th. You got AEW debuting on TNT October 2nd. 
NXT, which started two weeks ago on USA, expands to a full two hours. You know, Suits is now moved on. Anthem Entertainment just recently purchased majority interest in Access TV. And now Impact on October 29th is moving to Access Television, where people can see it other than being on the Pursuit Channel. And if you look at it, there's five nights of professional wrestling out of a seven-day week. I don't think we've seen anything like that in years, maybe even decades it's been since there's been that much wrestling on TV. Now, Greg, we brought you on, as you said, as promoter, wrestler, fan, historian. I'm going to kind of get your you know, take. Let's start off this, and Glenn will get your kind of view on it, too. How do you feel about the boom that's coming, knowing you know, October 2nd, all this is going to be available? Well, what's your perspective on it? Um, obviously, you know, like you said, promoter, booker, wrestler, historian, things like that. I, and also a fan. As a fan, it, it's great. You know, fans, you know, have an opportunity. Uh, pretty much every moment they wake up, <laughs> they can find new wrestling content. That's, that's, that's great. Um, from a business side, I look at it as um, there's only one pie. You know, I understand what, you know, a lot of people are talking about, well, you don't have to decide. You don't have to decide what's going on. Uh, you can just watch everything. Well, you're not going to be able to watch everything. Um, I'd say even the most hardcore wrestling fans, the Uber fans, as I call them, you know, if they watch six hours of wrestling a week, that's a lot of wrestling. You understand? And, um, right now we're looking at about 16 hours of new wrestling content a week. So no matter who you are, you're going to have to make a choice. Uh, of what you're going to spend your time watching. And uh, eventually stuff will get filtered out and things like that. But um, I think just people need to understand that, you know, it's it's all coming from the same pie, you know, and eventually, you know, the market will settle itself out. Uh, television, we went through an obvious, um, an obvious thing with television where television wasn't television anymore. <laughs> you know, there, there wasn't many times when um, you would go, hey, it's 7 o'clock, my favorite show's on. You know, a lot of that wasn't happening for the last decade because of TiVo and DVR and streaming and things like that. And what the television industry decided was that um, if we're going to stay competitive, if we're going to um, change with the market, then we need to invest in live entertainment. So that's why you're seeing a lot more of, you know, just live things happening like award shows and uh you know maybe special events where they do you know broadway musicals live with you know superstars on on the television you know they're doing a lot more of that kind of thing because they're trying to draw more people to 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 television again and wrestling just like it's always been has always been one of the most viable solutions for television in the early golden age of wrestling you know when television the golden age of television too Wrestling was so prominent because it was so easy. You set up one hard camera at a ring, and you had a product. <laughs> and you had something that was easy to shoot and easy to follow, and people watched it. Uh, the way Gorgeous George became one of the biggest stars in, in, in history. Um, so I think that's what television is realizing now. Like, hey, wrestling, you know, there's a market for it. There's a lot of people out there. We, it's a very easy production you know, they don't have – it's not like a four-day thing to get one episode. They can film four or five episodes in one night and then be have it in the can and be ready. So it's going to be a very, very interesting time over the next uh, – I'd say over the next six months to a year just to really see what's going to happen. 
Now, you, know, you you mentioned the Uber fan, and I, I will say that uh, I am kind of one of those. I have everything TiVo. I don't watch it all at once, though. I'll pick through and I'll just turn it on. Sometimes it's just background noise, you know, just kind of have on in the background while I'm, you know, working on something, whatever. So I'm here. I'm going to check it out. But then, you know, you've also got your streaming services and everything. But, you know, my question is, when people are looking at it and you say it's all one pilot, you know, people are saying, you know, I'm WWE, I'm AEW, I'm NXT. You know, do you see that that, do you think that that's going to be like a dividing line that maybe they're not going to look at the wrestling product, but they're just going to look at, I want to be hip, I want to be cool, so let's be AEW, you know, and not really give, you know, the television product a chance. Yeah, that's very possible. I mean, pe- people are very, you know, um, I don't have the territorial, I guess. You know, a lot of people, you know, I'm I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. You know, I'm sure that you're, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a Vikings fan on here somewhere, right? So, you know, it's it's things like that. It's people are very territorial. So if you grew up on WWE, you're going to be a WWE fan. You know, NWA starting, you know, uh, their own product, and they're going to have a one-hour television product out of Georgia. You know, if you're an NWA guy, maybe that's who you're going to go with. So I think that, yeah, there's going to be that preconceived uh, value to the, each individual person. Uh, whether they give anything else a chance is up to each individual promotion how well they promote their product. Uh, me personally, like, uh, MLW is one that I, I've enjoyed. I, I feel like it's the most old-school product that we have currently. Um, the rest of it seems very similar. AEW seems very similar to WWE. WWE seems very similar to Impact. Impact seems very similar to the rest of them. So, I mean, it's I'm not seeing a lot of diversity in the in the actual wrestling. I'm seeing diversity in the branding, but not in the wrestling. All right, Glenn, let's get your let's get your take on it real quick. You know, what do you think about the upcoming you know television landscape for professional wrestling? I'm taking it with, uh, of course, curiosity and also uh, cautious optimism because you never know with uh, what the fan is going to – are they going to bring back the lapsed fan? That's another one of the angles that AEW wants to you know, do with the incorporation with TNT. That is the, the fan that left years ago when when the the Monday Night Wars left. Will that still be around? Uh, there's also, you know, again, the uh, – it's the, are they trying to do some sort of modern-day wrestling Crips and Bloods with AEW, WWF? I mean, I guess I'm just a little bit older and kind of not too immersed – immersed into the business to uh, get into taking sides. Like I said, I, I'm going to watch it from afar. I'm going to give it a chance. If you know, They're basically uh, dictating what I watch. If, if they're putting out something that really just turns me off in the first couple of weeks, I'll watch it more like uh, you know, DBR, fast forward. If I don't like that match, don't like that segment, I'll watch it in that sort of mode. If I dig it, I'll probably even make an attempt to watch it live or do what I do. I, I usually watch my pro wrestling when I'm on the treadmill. That's a good way to counter uh, or a good way to be productive. You know, I can get my, my steps in and uh, get in some sort of shape other than the one I'm in by watching a little bit of wrestling. But I, I'm again, I'm, I'm curious to see what how they're going to go with this. I mean, I mean, uh, Greg, he mentioned uh, the Billy Corrigan thing. That that has my curiosity as well because I mean I grew up when we first got cable TV finally into our uh, part of the, the world in 1985. One of the first things I got to watch because I read a lot about the wrestling and the you know, Opter mags and stuff at the time was uh, you know World Championship Wrestling NWA on uh, Saturday mornings and the, the Saturday Night Show. It, it was. Uh, 
really kind of fun. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to bring back that the, the, the full magic of it, but I'm really uh, pulling for Billy on that because I think it would be kind of a fun, nostalgic approach to the business. But I want to see if they can do something more than just the uh, initial one or two episodes of, oh, that's interesting. Will they be able to retain their audience? So I think it's a lot about audience retention. I mean, there's so much product out there. Yeah, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to miss something here or there, even when you have it on the DVR, because after a while you look at the TiVo and it gets a little too loaded up. You kind of want to, you know, do some cleaning every once in a while. So I guess will time be on the side of all of this wrestling? I I don't know. I'm going to try to watch as much of it as I can, be honest about it. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. But, you know, as for now, I I don't have... uh, I, I'm not wearing a, a. I'm not wearing the red or the blue bandana and the uh, W or in the AEW WWE Crips Blood feud. So I'm taking it from a cautious, optimistic st- standpoint because I'm not in the business. I, I cover a program here, uh, Wrestling Memories, every week, but I'm not immersed into the business enough, and I'm not quite the young super fan that I was in the past. But I am curious. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I, I watch everything just to see what it is. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of value it from there. Um, AEW to me has been very hypocritical. You know, they one minute they're saying that they want to be um, very sports based. They want to be, you know, very, um, you know, win loss records. They want to be, you know, uh, more of a sport than an entertainment and things like that. And then what they produce is pretty much the same as everything else. I mean, um, I just, like I said, very hypocritical point of view. They, mm-hmm. for instance, let's let's take it for instance. You know, they take, um, like I said, they want to be a sports based company. They want to do this. They want to do that. The very first night Dean Ambrose shows up, he um, DDT's a ref. That same week, um, in the NBA, uh, one of the owners of the Golden State Warriors had touched a player during the playoffs. Had touched an opposing team's player during the playoffs. That guy was uh, fined five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and uh, suspended for one year from coming to games, and he's an owner, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all this has to make sense with your product. You have we live in all in the same world, so if you're going to tell everybody that you're a sports product, you know Dean Ambrose comes back, he DDTs a ref, and then there's no there's no consequence to it. You understand? Like mm-hmm. it all has to make sense in the same world. Well, you know, they, they come back. They say, well, what they could have done is, uh, you know, with that, I mean, again, with the timing with his injury, they could have played off a fine thing. They could have done something, put a little more continuity into it. But yeah, you're just randomly just DDT and, you know, referee. That's just kind of just, I don't know. If you don't have any real meaning and don't have any real consequence from it, it's it's, it's just uh, a simple prop. Exactly. I mean, like, and the same thing with Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose coming off WWE was, was hot. I mean, people were talking about it. Hey, this is a, a WWE superstar a former WWE champion that's jumping ship. He's literally jumping ship to go to AEW, and that's something that needs to be protected. And so far, he's you know he's put over a couple people in Japan, and now he's injured and things like that. And stuff like that stifles your product and hurts your momentum. Um, you know, Chris Jericho. I love Chris Jericho to death. I think he's an amazing innovator. I think he's a great storyteller. Um, I'll never you never hear me say anything like you know Chris Jericho was wrong, but he introduced a new finishing move without testing it. You know, when you when you test out something like that, it has to be you have to be in front of a crowd multiple times to see if it works, if the timing works, if the crowd reacts the way you hope they react to it and things like that. And the first time he used it, it was just kind of blah, you know. 
And the second time he used it, he was just it was kind of blah too, to be honest. So it's like one of those things that you it's just one of those things that you have to have you have to have one guy saying yes, no, that's not gonna work. You know, obviously WWE has that with Vince McMahon. Um, AEW seems to have they seem to be playing a zone defense on their product. Basically it's like, well, Jericho's in charge of his stuff, Cody's in charge of his stuff, the young bucks are in charge of their stuff. Kenny Omega's in charge of their stuff, and then we just kind of figure out the rest. So it's just right? a case of a, like too, too many cooks in the kitchen, basically, when you got everybody kind of taking care of their own stuff. But then there's that segment that kind of gets neglected. That you know that could be a recipe for disaster just as far as overall flow of a show, especially in the undercard. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have – there's lots of guys that have great ideas, and they, and they come to me, and they're like, hey, I have this idea, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, that won't work because of this because we're doing this with this guy. You understand it all has to make sense and all has to flow together. And like I said, it all has to take place in the same world. So I just feel like they're on, you know, four different planets right now, you know, and, and that's what I feel when I watch their product. And they have so um, much tremendous talent there too. You know, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of good guys, a lot of some of the young up and comers they've signed up to some that uh, has the internet world kind of questioning uh, as far as uh, signing us, these guys. Uh, it just, uh, it makes me wonder though. I mean, AAW is doing all this good stuff up front, but it could very well be the. This could be a big thing that succeeds. The Khan family could be up moving up towards McMahon ter- territory, or they could be the end of the decade equivalent to the Carter family with with TNA Impact. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm looking at you know, it's it's not going to do these these enormous ratings. It's not going to set the world on fire. It's going to be a product. It's going to be a place where guys can go and make a living and maybe make it a little bit of a name for themselves. But I don't think it's going to be the the um, the true comp- competitor that some people think it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And could it be like where they get to the point where, you know, I, I've seen like some of these guys, they've had a working relationship of sorts with, with MLW. You know, would there be a time when, when that could eventually turn into an angle because, you know, for ratings or whatnot, because the MLW product, you know, it, it doesn't get that means it doesn't have a TNT or, a, or an Access TV. It's on BN Sports and, and, of course, on their YouTube channel. I'm really liking the stuff that's been put out there by Court Bauer and company. They've, they've got some, I mean, the uh, the uh, War Games match just recently down down in Texas. Man, that was amazing. That was, that was good stuff, good storytelling. I mean, and they've really got the talent and I think they've got something going there. You know, if they had a TV, even a better, an even better TV deal, more exposure. I mean, there could be something going here. Yeah, MLW, like I said, it's, it's probably the most old school product that I've seen. I mean, it's 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 pretty legit. And like, I'm a huge fan of of Jacob Fott too. I, I think that kid is amazing. I mean, he's 300 pounds. Uh, he moves amazingly. I mean, he's tough. He's rugged. I mean. Um, I just, I really look for him to be a, a big star in the next five years for sure. Um, there's a lot of other talent there too. You know, I'm, you know, I like the Von Eric boys, the Von Eric boys are, you know, I've seen them on the independent stuff in Texas and things like that. And, you know, uh, they, they seem like they've got a, a good thing going and they're carrying on the, their, the legacy of the Von Eric family, um, trying to sidestep the tragedy, which is amazing. You know, we, we always want a happy ending, you know, we don't want it to, to go away like it. It has been, so um, hopefully, you know, they'll get, catch some steam off that, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and a great thing was to, to see Kevin come back to Texas, you know, and be a part of uh, of the angle for the, for the big match here that they had in in Dallas here just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's one of those kind of goosebump moments. You know, you know the history of Dallas and the Von Erics and to see Kevin 
the last surviving, you know, Von Eric kid and then to be there with his own children, you know, that's 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 stuff that you can't write, you know. Yeah, and, and it was really cool to see on, on that it got viral from the AMLW show. Uh, it was kind of fun seeing that clip of, of Kevin and the boys out at the site of the old Sportatorium. Now, boy, isn't that a, just a nostalgia rush? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, you know, I went I went to that spot when I was in Dallas. I made a, I made sure that I went there and uh, just took a look, you know. And uh, actually, one of my buddies uh, who lives uh, in Dallas. Before the sport touring was tore down, he actually snuck in and, and you know got a couple chairs and a couple other things, and he actually gave me one of the chairs. So I actually have a actual chair from the Dallas Sport Torium. So I'm very proud of that myself. <laughs> oh, that's sweet, man. That is so so sweet. Hey, speaking of Texas, we're going to bring the big man back into the conversation, the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy. Mike, Mike, Mike. I bet you have a few more questions about the television la- pro wrestling landscape, television stream, and beyond here in 2019. Oh, definitely. Um, got a couple, you know, focal points that I want to uh, talk about. One of them being, you know, we're talking about all the shows and all that, and they're moving around, everything like that, is SmackDown moving to Fox. Obviously, Fox is a broadcast cable network. This is the first time that wrestling's been on a broadcast cable network, other than, you know, the main event specials and things like that. But wrestling hasn't been on a broadcast cable network in many years. And I'm just curious, you know, do you think that's kind of a major thing right there in this day and age that, you know, broadcast cable, Fox Network, that they were interested in picking up WWE? Because I was watching the Mass Singer last night, and, of course, you know, when the two have to face off on a SmackDown, there'd be the advertisement for SmackDown. When you were watching the football games on Sunday on Fox, there was commercials for SmackDown. Do you think WWE's got, well, obviously, you know, they are the top, of the world. They're always going to be at the top. But do you think they've kind of got, you know, a bigger, you know, iron in the fire being that they can say that we're on broadcast television? Like you said, like, besides Saturday night's main event, this is the first real Fourier for pro wrestling into, you know, into those stations. And, um, you know, they paid a billion dollars to have that, to have that program over the next five years. So, yeah, that's a huge deal. Um, you know, I know you guys, but, you know, McCurdy was talking about how, you know, he's a, you know, he, how much wrestling he watches. I have this theory, Michael, and see if you can kind of help me out with this. I watched, you know, WWE programming, you know, and it just got almost unbearable. I mean, it was so bad that it got unbearable. And as bad as it kept getting, the ratings kept dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And you're sitting there watching the product going, well, I know why they're dropping. So why isn't this getting fixed? And then about that same time, they announced that they were moving to Fox for a billion dollars. So much like an NBA team who wants to draft pick, I feel like WWE tanked their own product for a while to get their ratings down. So when they signed the deal with Fox, because they knew Fox was going to put a parameter on them as far as, hey, you want to get this rating, right? Uh, they tanked their own product and uh, signed with Fox, and now Fox has asked them to uh, to up their viewership 60% from, it was, it, I think it was like 2.4 to 3.6 or something like that. So uh, my theory is that they tanked on purpose to get the Fox deal 
So now they can start hot shotting the product and have it hot again. That's kind of an interesting theory because you are correct. I mean, for a while, I fast forward a, a lot through Monday Night Raw. I don't get to watch it live. I see the results online, and then I kind of pick and choose what I want to see. And for a while there, I would sometimes skip to the very end of the show to see what the closing, you know, you know, segment was. But then you're right. You know, as soon as uh, they announced the, the Raw the SmackDown to Fox, you know, product gets a little bit better. Also, at that same point in time, they also introduced Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff and said, hey, we're bringing them back as with executive directors for Raw and SmackDown, which then brought back fans because they wanted to see what's Paul Heyman going to do with the product, what's Eric Bischoff going to do with the product. And slowly, it kind of improved. I'm finding myself now that I'm watching a little bit more you know, of Monday Night Raw. I'm watching more of SmackDown, you know, minus the really convoluted and weird Rowan angle. But, you know, I am, I'm starting to see that myself. I'm starting to kind of watch it again and see, okay, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? What's going to happen this week? So, you know, that theory, I never thought of it that way, but that theory actually does kind of make sense. Yeah, it's just one of those things like, you know, obviously they could have just kept going the same direction. Maybe they would have made it better, and maybe they would have got a 3.5. And then when they went to Fox, it would have been, well, we want you to up your viewership 60%. And then going from a 3.5 to like a 4.4, that's that's a huge huge difference, <laughs> you know. So I really feel that they were they were tanking on purpose to lower their numbers for that big move. Because they no, were another thing to go along with that. Sorry, they were making way too many like mistakes that we know in professional wrestling are complete no no mistakes. Like there's no way that anyone involved at that level of professional wrestling would think that was a good idea. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, another part of the, the SmackDown move, and we found this out, is they're actually going to, they're bringing back, when they're dropping the wild card rule, they're bringing back the, the draft, because it seems like now they want to, and we're hearing reports that they're going to stick to a specific SmackDown roster and a Raw roster to create two different television products. So, you know, in that note, do you see that maybe we're going to go back to a little bit where since Raw is on cable, they're going to get more of the edgier angles because obviously, you know, I'm hoping the theme stays on Raw. Um, and then maybe SmackDown might become the more, you know, mom and dad sit down with the kids, the more family-friendly product. Do you see that as possibly being a scenario that may play out once uh, SmackDown debuts? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a possibility. I just – I want everybody to really take notice of what's happening, though. Fox knows how important it is for uh, – the wrestlers on SmackDown to be exclusive. So all these independent guys running around talking about, I'm an independent contractor. I can wrestle here, wrestle there. I want you to think about this next time, you know, a local promoter says, Hey, you know, I'd really like you to work for bride promotion, but you know, it doesn't make much sense if you work for the guy five minutes down the road too. You know, we're seeing it play out on a much bigger stage. You know, SmackDown is like, Hey, you know, it doesn't do us any good to promote Roman Reigns on our channel if you're just going to put them on Raw every week, too, right? Because then people have two options to see Roman Reigns. We want one option to see him. We want him to see him on Fox. We want him to see him on SmackDown. I really think that that's, obviously, that's that's the way the business works. I mean, you want, whatever you're trying to sell, you want to be exclusive to it. If, you, if you're McDonald's, no one else has a Big Mac. <laughs> you understand? They have their own burgers, but they don't have a Big Mac. Same thing here. You know, SmackDown is making sure that they have Lesnar. They have... Roman Reigns, they have, you know, um, all of the key elements that could make that show a success. Now, speaking of success, 
Uh, yesterday, WWE announced the announcing teams for the new shows, and obviously they're moving, you know, Cole, Graves, and Renee Young over to SmackDown. Raw is now getting Dio Madden, Vic Joseph, and Jerry Lawler. And the NXT team, they, they didn't touch them, which is a good thing. That's a great, you know, that's a great announced team. Being that they are going to a, a broadcast cable channel where, you know, and on a Friday, do you think maybe they're kind of loading SmackDown a little bit because they're putting their, you know, what was their A-show announcing team over to SmackDown? And in my opinion, I think Raw is kind of getting shortchanged a little bit with the new announcing team that they've got coming in. Yeah, and like I said, this is all, this is all by design. I mean, they're making SmackDown the number one show right now. But when Raw's deal ends, and I'm not sure when it ends, but when Raw's, Raw's deal ends with USA, how much do you think they can sell Raw for? If they sold SmackDown for over a billion dollars, how much do you think they can sell Raw for, right? So it's all going to level out eventually. But um, it's really it's – it's just a business, business tactic of, well, this was, our, this was our B show. This was our second brand, and look how much we've done with it. How much would you pay for the flagship? How much would you pay for Monday Night Raw? How much would you pay for the the uh, longest running, uh, you know, uh, episodic television show in history? <laughs> you know, so yeah, they're they're definitely loading SmackDown to make make it successful. They're hot shotting it to make it successful, and that's exactly what they should do. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the mic over to you. I'm sure you got a couple questions you might want to kind of pose a few scenarios as you know going on with the television uh, landscape oh we're going to keep on going here with the television theme here on this edition of wrestling memories then and now with our very special guest the returning greg anthony always good to have greg with uh i want to bring uh the conversation over from uh, the wwe from the the big corporation to uh, another group that Ever since it came out in 2002, you know, they've faced their share of adversity. They've been on uh, death's door so many times. You thought it and they've had so many potential things happen. Uh, They almost had Billy Corgan as an owner. They had to go through the whole uh, uh, Jerry Jarrett to Dixie Carter Carter family uh, ownership uh, until recently uh, hooking up with Anthem Entertainment. And uh, boy... All the TV channels they have bumped onto, they went from Spike to Destination America to uh, pers- uh, to Pop to Pursuit. There's so many channels. And now it seems in 2019, the many times, the many reports of Impact Wrestling's uh, death have definitely have been proven to be completely exaggerated. They have managed to survive. Uh, what are your thoughts on this company that has been, like I said, many times has been on uh, life support, now finding themselves in the catbird seat on, uh, you know, hooked up now with Anthem Sports, uh, with the big merger with Axis, finding themselves on a great tele- on a great network with a good time and a pro wrestling friendly uh, network, too, that they're going into uh, before the merger. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean. How many times have, have I said or the media has said that, man, this may be the last hoorah for impact? <laughs> I mean, it's just been, you know, they're almost like Jason Voorhees in, in the Friday the 13th flicks. Just once you think they're dead, you know, their hand comes up through the grave and, and they're back. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, impact was always a weird thing for me because I'd always given them so many chances, obviously. I mean, like, I would get excited about something or someone showing up, and I'd say, well, this is the time where they're going to break out, and then it would just kind of falter. And it really became because of a lack of direction. You know, one week they'd tell me that Kurt Angle was the man and he was the focal point of the company. Three weeks later, it was Rob Van Three weeks after that, it was Jeff Hardy. Three weeks after that, it was Ken Kennedy, Ken Anderson. 
You know what I mean? Like they just never had a full direction. Uh, and right now it's kind of the same way. I mean, I just don't feel like they're, I think like they're just trying to survive and it's noticeable. You know what I mean? Like they're not trying to turn the world on fire. They're not trying to do something that's going to turn heads or get more viewers necessarily. They're just trying to, Hey, let's not mess up. Let's just stay alive long enough to be around. I think they really need to shake things up. I think they need to maybe even change bookers, maybe even change, um, just the overall look of the show, the feel of the show, whatever they have to do to make themselves different and stand out, I think would be best. Oh, I'm all for you when it talks about just changing the, the look of the program. I mean, uh, just the recent uh, the network to pick up uh, impact in, in, in a lot of markets, man. It's not even in HD, and it just seems to, like it's it's barely, uh, I don't know, for, a t- for a, supposed, what was supposed to be this big company that was on the verge of doing big things, it just doesn't seem as professional, per se, as where they could be now. And now, I, do you think that there's going to be just a, a, a it'd be make most logical for them now that they have this network uh, with, the, with the merger with Apple? Access. Do you think there's going to be more of a call for, for better production value, a better setting, uh, even uh, bringing a, a wrestler or two that'll pop the, the audience? Do you think there's going to be more of an effort now that they have a better foot uh, in uh, in cable and in television again? And that deal with, with uh, Anthem and Access, I mean, you're, you're dealing with Mark Cuban now as well as Steve Harvey of all people. But I mean, it's it's just a great thing that they're in. But now now comes the, 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 the work. I mean, like you said, they were basically, and I kind of agree with you too, it was almost almost sort of a don't get in trouble, keep your head above water sort of thing. But I think now they have everything in place to, to make or break. And, and now it all starts with doing the extra work and going the extra mile. Yeah. I mean, I think it really comes down to, I think Anthem, even though they've, they've done this merger and obviously they've got them on a better station and got them more viewership by doing that. I don't really think access. I mean, I really don't think Anthem was really looking to put a lot of money into the product itself. Um, and wrestling, unfortunately, sometimes is a you have to spend money to make money. You know, they have to be able to lure away talent in some way, shape, or form to come to your product. Um, I don't even know if they're running house shows or anything like that right now. I think they're just just mainly doing television. So, you know, you have to. I think they finally got their head above water as far as profit goes. Uh, I think they lost millions and millions of dollars there for a couple of years, and then they had some management changes that they got them out of trouble. So um, I think they just need, like I said, they just need to, to change it up production-wise, obviously, but I, I, just the product itself. You know I mean? If, if you come off and you look like WWE light, then that's what you're going to be, you know, and I, I don't want them to think that that's okay. I, I think they need to really just shake things up, find someone out here that's uh, an amazing talent that they can, you know, they can start from scratch and just that guy's exclusive to them and is going to maybe turn the tide for them. And also something that intrigues me, uh, of course, is, uh, you know, Access uh, Channel has uh, their big Saturday night of wrestling, and they've had a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling for the last few years, playing their show uh, weekly and doing some live stuff with them as well, and the WoW Women of Wrestling. Now, Impact has had a relationship in the past with New Japan that went sour, and now there have been inroads, uh, just slight, slight inroads to uh, mending the fences. Could you see something down the line just from a programming uh, you know just perspective of maybe some some new japan guys when they make the trip over to the states maybe a little bit of integration uh with with, uh acts with impact because of the access deal i I think it would be beneficial to both companies in in the u.s market for that to happen 
I mean, if you were, you know, obviously got a guy like Rhino, for instance, who, who just recently showed up on Impact, seeing him on New Japan would would help New Japan and would help Impact. So uh, maybe some cross integration like you're talking about. Um, I wouldn't get too bogged down with it though. You know, anytime you're you're using another company to help your brand, it's kind of a dicey situation. You just want to be very, very careful on how it's presented and how it's used, and you don't want to become uh, dependent on it. I mean, you could probably maybe, maybe work a, a quarterly or bi-quarterly show, maybe once or twice a year that incorporates uh, both companies, maybe have that air on access as a live event. I mean, that's maybe a broad stretch, but maybe a on tape thing. But I think maybe if they do it, but don't do it too much because then it oversaturates. And then, you know, then there's a lot of butting heads between the companies and, and politics and philosophies. But if they if they tread lightly, I think they can maybe have something here as far as, you know, having the two uh, brands together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe like a, a once a year, the kind of thing with Bound for Glory, you know, Rhino shows up on there and spears somebody, and then the guy comes back to retaliate, and eventually, you know, the blow-off matches is on uh, Bound for Glory. I mean, that would be something that would obviously pique interest and maybe get some New Japan fans to tune in to Impact. So it would work both for best, uh, best for both companies. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I'm going to bring back uh, Mike into the conversation. Mike, I know you have a few more questions. We're talking television pro wrestling scene in 2019. Um, one thing I'd like to talk about for a minute is the, uh, and, and Greg, you'll have a vested interest in this, so I'm really curious on your uh, perspective on it, is as far as the television landscape goes and all the products that's going to be available, obviously they need talent. And we've recently heard about, you know, AEW, obviously they've got Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, you know, MJF, uh, Sammy Guevara, who was definitely a standout here in Texas. You got Ricky Starks, who went to the, who's been signed with the NWA. With all the products available now that's going to come up, they're going to need talent. And is this thing you see is it's going to be like a positive for the independent scene where, you know, guys that maybe didn't have their chance because, you know, WWE was the only show, now there's other avenues. So do you see maybe the television landscape and the new, all the available product now might be a positive influence on independent wrestling and allow guys that, you know, people haven't seen or haven't heard of that deserve that shot to now get their chance? Uh, That is a very loaded question. Um, Let me put it like this. The main source is to be able to recognize actual talent. You understand? Um, I'm all for uh, professional wrestlers getting to actually make a living in professional wrestling. That's amazing. Uh, what I'm worried about is the is the false sense of good <laughs> that it could create. Like back in the territory days, it was very clear cut if you were good or you weren't because you got paid off an ass every 18 inches. You understand? And if you didn't, if you weren't good at your job and you didn't draw money, then you didn't make money, and the company went out of business, and so on and so forth. Uh, in today's wrestling, it's almost become um, it's become celebrated to lose money in professional wrestling, and I'm talking about it at a company level. You know, it's it's okay if we lose five grand on this show, but we had we had Greg the Hammer Valentine, you know, and he was great, you know, but we lost five grand. You understand? Um, guys need to understand that uh, they need to be good. And they need to do the things to protect the business overall. 
So, yes, I want guys that are that are good to make money. I want guys that are good to be seen. I want guys that are actually care about professional wrestling and, uh, like you said, maybe have missed their opportunities over the years to maybe get a little bit uh, of what's coming to them as far as visibility. But at the same time, I see a huge, a huge problem of guys that don't understand the business, that haven't paid any dues, that are uh, could care less about the sanctity of professional wrestling or the history of it, getting those opportunities and then taking those opportunities like a ripple effect to lead other people to the same to the same thing, like the blind leading the blind. You understand? So it's a very, very delicate double-edged sword that we're playing with, and that's what I'm worried about. How do you see it as far as, uh, you know, obviously people aren't going to sit at home and watch, you know, television all day. I mean, people can DVR things like that. But how do you see it as far as, you know, with the independent groups and all that? Because obviously, you know, you have to promote, you know, you know putting up the posters and the flyers. That's the, the most old school way. I know when I worked in California, when I was living there, I promoted three shows all the time there. And we actually had the opportunity to, you know, local cable television, you know, company. We were able to go to them, pay the $300, get a series of spots on television on their product. Some of those spots were on Monday Night Raw, and we got a couple spots on SmackDown because those are available, and that's your audience. Now with AEW, NXT, all these other options available on, you know, the television landscape and everything, do you see that maybe there might be that independent group they can get in there, they can get those spots, and it's going to allow them to maybe, you know, throw in that commercial and promote their product more? So maybe all the television product might get people to see a commercial or see something and want to go to an independent show. So kind of the reverse effect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I'll give you a prime example. You know, you talked about, you know, the Monday Night Wars originally. Well, I was in, you know, I was in high school when the Monday Night Wars happened. You know, I was 15, 16 years old. And my local wrestling company here in Dyersburg was hot. I mean, they were, they were packing it out every week because of the Monday Night Wars. They had wrestling itself was hot. It was the cool thing to do, and... Uh, you know, there was a group here that was kind of like the NWO, but not the NWO. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, it, it was a very hot time for wrestling. So, when the hottest, when the when the biggest companies are hot, it trickles down obviously to everybody. You know, it's just um, it has to be able to be sustained, and that's what I'm worried about. Like every every major. Um, angle or anything like that usually has a shelf life of about three years and you look historically that seems about to be about right even even on a national level people want to talk well that's you're talking about territory stuff that doesn't work on national level well it actually does nwo was about three years stone cold steve austin for his uh for his in-ring stuff was about three years you understand like everything has about a three-year life so same thing with aew we're going to know in three years whether they were, um, whether they know what they're doing or they're just hot shotting and getting out of the way. Because right now it just feels like they're um, they're taking advantage of the largest money mark in in wrestling history. So we'll know if they have money to continue and it's a success, or we'll know whether it was all just it was a money grab for everyone else. Now, another you know this is kind of a question that trying to figure, trying to figure out the best way best way to phrase this because I don't want to I don't want to not other product 
But, you know, everybody's talking about WWE. Everybody's talking about AEW. The NXT war, which, which I think is kind of an interesting move. As soon as AEW announces we're going to Wednesday nights on TNT, Vince McMahon goes, hey, we're going to take, you know, NXT off the network, and we're going to give it to USA. Now, obviously, you can still see it on the network. I thought that was kind of an interesting move. They're kind of maybe starting a Wednesday night war, of per se. But, you know, you're gonna, I don't want people to forget about the groups. You know, you got Ring of Honor. You know, we did mention New Japan. The women are wrestling, you know, superheroes on Access TV. NWA is coming up, I believe. I've heard Ion Television. But do you think that people are going to focus way too much on WWE and AEW and these smaller groups, you know, including Impact going to Access, even though that will be a big thing for a little bit, you know, that as far as television goes, it's going to be WWE versus AEW, and these other shows are going to be kind of overshadowed. Um. I actually personally think it's going to be WWE versus itself and then everyone else. <laughs> I think people are going to still going to try to watch Raw, SmackDown, and NXT first. I think those are the first three things that really people are going to catch eye to. And then it's going to be AEW, then it'll be New Japan, then it'll be Impact, then it'll be MLW, then it'll be Ring of Honor. You know, it'll be kind of be that kind of situation. Um, because, like I said, WWE is still, you know, still number one. I mean... If if AEW does when when they announced that NXT was going to Wednesday nights to go head to head pretty much with AEW, then um, it kind of like a light bulb went off in my head. Like all these people were talking about AEW putting WWE out of business, and I'm sitting here thinking I don't think they can beat NXT. You know, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see. Like especially now that Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega said the thing about, you know, all, all our guys are stars. We're not developmental talent. You know, that was a clear shot at everybody. Uh, I think he's going to be eating those words in about six months to a year because if NXT, I, I fully believe that NXT, if they don't beat them in the ratings, they're going to be pretty, pretty close. Now, as far as though, do you see NXT as developmental anymore? Because that's what it used to be. Now that they've got just as much a prominent spot on Raw and SmackDown, are they developmental anymore? Could we see possibly an intermingling of, you know, some of the guys you may not see on Raw all the time go over to NXT or SmackDown go over to NXT? Because NXT is now kind of on the same cable level. Are they really developmental anymore? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I haven't thought they were developmental for years. I made that point to when they actually were um, so visible on the network, you know, that especially when they started doing takeovers and arrivals and things like that. It was like developmental is meant, for guys to be able to learn to be on television without the, you know, the weight of the world on their shoulders. And now that's gone. So to me, NXT hasn't been developmental in, in, you know, five, six years, seven years, whatever it's been. But, um, and if you look WWE, you know, they're not really treating it as developmental either. Like you said, they're treating it like its own separate brand and they're actually using, they're getting talent from ring of honor. They're getting talent from Mexico. They're getting talent from Japan. They're, I mean, they're using the other companies as their developmental to sign guys away. So, yeah, I, I don't see NXT as developmental at all, especially when a lot of the guys that they're using, like the um, like the Adam Coles and guys like that, have been around for as long as they've been around and been on the same stages as as uh, Kenny Omega and those guys. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a very uh, fair comparison. So, you know, like you said, it's not development anymore. They're kind of on the same level. You don't think we'll see the, the shifting around of a guy going to Raw or SmackDown being such a big deal anymore because – like I said, they're on that same level. Well, no, no, it'll, it'll still be because it's a brand. It's a brand 
when you're when you switch brands, it should be a big deal. It's just you have to be smart with it. Like to me, like like I said, locking down the rosters is the main thing. Putting Paul Heyman in charge of Raw, putting Bischoff in charge of SmackDown, having Triple H in charge of NXT, and then have those guys like pro teams. You know, like hey, I'll trade you, you know, Adam Cole and and you know whoever for this guy, and let those guys work it out. And like because they have a vested interest then in making everything work. Sounds seems logical. Huh? Um, Glenn, I'm going to pass it back over to you for the last, you know, we're, we're getting close to the end. The, the, the timekeepers are going to be ringing the bell soon. I'm going to pass the mic over to you for the last round of questions. Well, you know, we've talked about all of these these companies that are moving in with their, their TV product and all the, 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 the buzz that's been generating around pro wrestling these days. But there's three letters that are really seem to be missing here as far as talking about uh, companies on the rise. And this company was at one time uh, considered probably the number two outside of uh, WWE uh, products, outside of WWE and NXT and all of that, uh, is Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. I mean, Ring of Honor was in, in the limelight here at the spring of this year with the big Madison Square Garden show, but here we are sitting here in the latter part of the month of September, and you're not hearing as much buzz while these other companies are, are taking taking a little bit of the air out of the room. There's still Ring of Honor, and they still have their you know their Sinclair broadcast connections. But what the heck is going on with Ring of Honor amidst in the midst of all of this all of these sea changes in pro wrestling? Yeah, they're just they're kind of in that same boat as Impact. I mean, they just they're just depleted. You know, WWE and everyone else has raided their rosters. They don't have the money to really keep guys around like those guys do. So their rosters have been depleted. So they they have to shake things up. They have to do something outside of their box to make people tune back in. Because if they were tuning in to see Adam Cole, if they were tuning in to see this guy or that guy, most of those guys are gone now. Obviously, they went with uh, Matt Taven. But to me, I would go back to tried and true guys like uh, Jay Lethal. I mean, Jay Lethal, to me, is still one of the best in-ring competitors in our business. And uh, him and Silas Young, guys like that, I think this would be a time to really focus on them uh, because, like I said, they're tried and true. And fans are going to know them, and the new fans are going to, if they haven't seen them, they're going to go, hey, these guys, these guys are amazing. You know, so um, I just feel like same thing. They need to get outside their box. They need to shake things up. They need to maybe look for talent outside of the Northeast, really, they need to look for talent in the South and, and talent out West, maybe, to really round out their roster to give the fans something new and different. Because, like I said, it seems like every product nowadays in ring looks the same. So, Yeah, they're definitely going to have to find something to kind of get themselves back into the, into the game here because it just seems to me like, I mean, they, they've been left behind and for various reasons, like you mentioned, the roster depletion, of course, with a lot of stars moving on to uh, to NXT, which is basically uh, kind of a, you know... A, a haven for for old, not only just some of the t- the cream of the indies, but also it seems like uh, NXT is like what ROH kind of used to be with with some layers of its talent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ring of Honor. Um, you know, when Ring of Honor started, like in, you know, two thousand two ish. You know, you had Daniel Bryan, you had Christopher Daniels, you had guys like that. It was a very wrestling based product. You know, there wasn't a lot of frill to it at all. Um, and that's kind of NXT has kind of went that direction too. There's a lot of, a lot of hard hitting action on NXT. Uh, I think, you know, Cornette, I think Cornette really tried to change the game when he was there and I don't think they really wanted to listen to him, but I really think they would serve uh, a much better purpose if they would have tried to do more of the hard hitting, you know, athletes, true athletes, you know, guys that are 
not necessarily 170 pounds, but guys that are, you know, 230 pounds, 240 pounds, guys that are like true athletes like Silas Young, you know, so uh, they just, they got to shake it up. They got to do something different. It's, you know, if you, if you become monotonous and you come and you set in your ways, it's very hard for bookers to, uh, to change their ways. But if you want to survive, that's what you got to do. You know, we talk about Jim Cornette. Uh, you know, he, he's been very vocal about his uh, opinion of uh, of AEW and, of course, of some of the, the indie wrestling. Uh, he's he's brutally honest. That's Jimbo being Jimbo. But I would think the ultimate pop would be like uh, in six months to a year with the shock of all shocks, Jim showing up for a, a short run in AEW, uh, bringing in a surprise talent just because of all the heat. I mean, there's been some good back and forth, some entertaining stuff uh, Jim has said about the, the Young Bucks and, of course, uh, uh, also about Kenny Omega. I think, I, I don't know, it's a never-say-never thing with pro wrestling. Uh, I, I think we might see Jim Cornette probably, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, will we see a Jim Cornette before a CM Punk in AEW in, in, in fantasy booking? Yeah, I don't think – I mean, I got blocked on Twitter by Matt Jackson for defending Cornette. So I don't think <laughs> – I don't think you're ever going to see Jim Cornette in AEW. I mean, he's 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 knocked those guys and bashed those guys for too many years. And I, to be honest with you, at this point, I don't think he would even take the money even if they offered it, you know, because he feels so strongly about it. Well, and, you, know, uh, you know, I'm kind of with him. I'm kind of with him too. You know, I feel so strongly about certain things in professional wrestling that I'm not going to lower myself – to you know to participate well you know what eventually the revivals contracts could run out and there could possibly if things aren't going their way that would be the ultimate if they ever did in fantasy booking i'm not going to go any further i think that would be the fantasy booking shot of the young bucks getting taken out in a storyline by Cornette and the revival doesn't have to last long but it'd be a good way to kickstart a tag team in there and uh bulk up the the ranks Uh, matt jackson said in, in the tweet that he ended up blocking me it was basically, you know, I would burn my money before giving it to shock jock Jim Cornette. So I, <laughs> the likelihood is slim, but I'm I'm with you. I I think him and the revival would be amazing together. But oh man, I, we'll, again, we'll, we're, again, we'll we'll wait and see, but uh, we'll keep the expectations low. I'm gonna bring Mike in for one last question here before we wrap up the proceedings. We're uh, getting real real close, Mike. Do you have one more thing to say before we get going? Yeah, I got one question. I think it's the most obvious question in the room. Bottom line, with all the product on television, all the product, who comes out on top? Uh, WWE. I mean, they're they're so far, they're on top of the mountain. Everyone else is, you know, just getting started. So I, I don't really think anyone's going to climb that mountain in the next year. So I think WWE is going to stay on top. The way I kind of look at it, I think, you know, bottom line, I think the fans kind of come out on top. Because obviously there's going to be competition, and I think we're going to get great wrestling product. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. I'm looking at it as a fan. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to DVR every freaking show next week, and I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to watch every little bit of it and make my decisions. But I think ultimately, outside of the you know the network, I I think the fans are the ones who come out on top on this one. But Glenn, well, let's get your uh, let's get your let's get your answer. Hey, I'm just happy that Impact isn't going to end up like on uh, the Weather Channel or some public access outlet with their next TV deal. They ended up on Access. 
I think that, that was next. Well, yeah, I was waiting on that. I was waiting for him to end up on Lifetime uh, movie television. I don't know, but I, I'm I'm going to be happy. WWE is going to be the WWE. There is just such a a big mammoth machine, and they've you know they have definitely done some great stuff in ring with NXT, and of course the TV deals. I mean, you got the one for SmackDown on Fox. Uh, you're going to have the Raw deal in a few years. I mean, lots of money to be made on in in their camps. I'm just hoping for some great strides. I mean, I'm not going to put the expectations too high, but I really want to see some great strides from Impact. AEW, MLW especially. I want to see them uh, start to move and shake too. And uh, ROH can get off the milk carton. I think that would be great for, for 2020. Well, that's it, guys, for Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Had a good time talking about the pro wrestling television landscape in 2019 with our guest, Gray Anthony. So for the Grizzled Vet, I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Wrestling Memories.